Next on the Shmi Show, we have our special guest. She's a friend, she's a mom, and honestly, I think she's an icon. Take a look. Lifetime dancer and choreographer Tootsie Olan lives a high voltage life. As the owner and star of her cardio dance and yoga studio, Tootsie is charging up everyone all over New Jersey, New York City, and the world. Whether it's getting us moving with her signature class, Dance Floored, or inspiring us with an interview from her podcast, The Lighthouse Conversations, Tootsie finds a way to radiate light. Her work has been highlighted by NBC, CBS, The Wall Street Journal, and so many more. When asked to explain her brand, she says it best. Tootsie Olan is a New York City-born brand, birthed from an obsessive determination to share the things we believe make life deeply meaningful. Welcome to the Shmi Show, Tootsie Olan! Hello. Um, that is a very lofty introduction. It makes me really want to get to know where the hell this person is. <laughs> but it's so well-deserved. Oh, that's This is so That's sweet. who you are. Oh. So we got to talk right away because people yeah. are going to ask, you know, Sam, how do you guys know each other? Because, you know, so do you want to go first or do you um, want me to well, go first? Yeah, let's do I, I know how I think we know each other. So how do you think we know each other? So for those who don't know, I used to manage a coffee shop mm -hmm. in Fairhaven, New Jersey. And I was there for four years, and you were one of the very first people that I met while working there. Yeah. Because I think you guys, when did you guys move to Fairhaven? We moved in 2012. Um, okay, yeah. Right around that time. So mm -hmm. based, I think what happened probably was is not only, I mean, we were so excited. We moved from like an urban environment, the New York City mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. And I say that because we actually were in New York City. We were in Chelsea for a very long time. And then we mm -hmm. did like a pit stop in Hoboken, feeling like that was going to be like our our city. Mm -hmm. Like we were so close. We were right in the water. So we could still like be, you know, we still lived in the city, but needed more space for kids. Wait, and, hold um, on. You live in Hoboken? for like a hot minute more like how did i never know that um i don't know you know it now so we lived live uptown. from hoboken <laughs> yeah right we lived uptown um literally we used to live on 23rd street in chelsea and i say that okay. if you stood on the rooftop of our chelsea apartment mm -hmm. and you and you had a really good arm and you like tossed a baseball i don't even know what a baseball looks like but if you tossed one of them <laughs> right across the hudson river it would have landed at the doorstep of our apartment like our townhouse that we were in hoboken like right, you know what I'm saying? That's, like uptown. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. So, so continue. So we moved here, and it was a little bit of a culture shock, and we were so excited to have a. And I'm from the suburbs, but we'll get to that. But mm -hmm. it was still we didn't realize how not suburban we were feeling in that time of our lives, mm. and so we were so excited to have like our coffee shop and like those places that we could walk to, and that's part of the reason why I moved here. Um, but also. Um, we moved to a really homogeneous area and I was, yeah. and anytime there was somebody who had a little bit of color, flavor, gay in the mm -hmm. arts, I was like, home, oh, like, please. So that's probably why we grabbed yeah. to each other. <laughs> I mean, literally the first memory of you that I have is like the whirlwind that you are. You come <laughs> flying in those coffee shop doors. And the, one of the first things you ask me is, what kind of teas do you guys have here? And I was like, <laughs> so uh, diva, have teas. So diva, diva. And you're like, do you have peppermint? Do you have turmeric? No, but, <laughs> but there was one time that I'll never forget. 
it's like years down the road. Like we had already known each other. And it's one of the memories that just sticks out in my mind. And uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know why. It's funny. But again, had to, had to deal with the tea. And you must have been on some turmeric kick where mm. everything in your life was turmeric chicken, turmeric kombucha. Yeah. And you were insistent, Sam, I need turmeric tea at the coffee shop. And to this day, Tootsie, whenever I use turmeric, which is more often than not, I literally think of you. I was on a turmeric kick. That was actually after I got, um, that was after some, I did a lot of retreats or I did retreats in a row when I was like out of the country Mm -hmm. and I came back Mm -hmm. and my system was like, sister, like, Mm. can we curse on here? Because I really like to curse. Oh, hell yes. Okay. Um, So people always ask that on my podcast and I always say, I know, I know. Please bring it. We'll Um, get there. (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah. And I needed, my my sister was like, you need to like chill the fuck out, like calm down. And I (laughs) found out that turmeric helps and I like, I like natural remedies. I'm not really into non-natural stuff. Same. Yeah. So for someone who doesn't know, in your own words, who is Tootsie Olan? Um, so just so we're clear, some of these questions came before so I could prepare. And this one, I almost had to laugh at because are there going to be people who are going to respond like, well, Tootsie Olan is a (laughs) really fascinating human being. She's the essence of, um, I'm like every other person. I mean, I think. Well, okay. Sorry. Let me, let me reiterate. If someone, you, you met someone and they said, who, like, who are you? What do you do? What, like, I guess in a bar setting, I guess put it that way. So, um, I am a, I got it. So like the less lofty version, um, I am a choreographer and Mm -hmm. a yogi and Mm -hmm. a kind of daring pioneer, I think in the fitness industry. I'm a mom and a decent wife. Uh, I really am, um, you know, and I'm a sister and a daughter and, and all of those things. But professionally, um, I am a retreat leader and a, um, and now I'm like a podcast person. Um, guru. But I think a guru, I would never, if some, if I met somebody in a bar and they were like, who are you? Shoot me. If I ever say I'm a guru, um, and by the way, if anybody ever says that they're a guru, they should be, you know. Anyway, um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, but really, I think, you know, for um, for good and ill, I have always been um, a dancer and somebody who likes to dig in deep to life and pull out what I can and make platforms out of that. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. That's how I see you. It's not a great answer. A it's, and def- no, I will never have a, I don't think is. I'll ever have an elevator pitch for that one. Um, but we could well, dive in. They're all messy. Well, it's honestly, I feel like if someone did off the, the cusp have an elevator pitch, that's a little concerning. Especially like, about how, themselves, how like a, a self-definition of like, oh, yeah. I am. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Like for me, I'm sure you've experienced this. When it came to when people ever asked me to write my playbill bio, I, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I am awful about writing about myself. Well, I think also part of it is that you, you have, um, I mean, one hopes that we're really, really messy, multidimensional, that mm-hmm. when you have to do that, like, this is who I am. Like, mm-hmm. and I, um, I think we, you should be like shapeshifters, not without yeah. authenticity, but um, mm-hmm. I hope that I could answer this question a year from now. And have, and it changed a little bit. You know, there are certain parts of me and what I do will always mm-hmm. probably be whether, and this is, I think where we'll dive in, like whether I like it or not will be a part of who I am because it's so deeply a part of who I am. Um, but I hope to keep on growing and shifting and having like different labels for who and who and what I show up to be. 
That's life, man, right? It's short. Like you gotta I know. add and subtract all the time, especially now. Yeah. You were just talking about that. Um, so again, for people who don't know, which is that's one of my phrases, by the way. People keep calling me out. I go, for people who don't know, because <laughs> they obviously never will know. That's why you're on here. But one of the uh one of part of Tootsie and I's relationship is on occasion when she is too busy, I'll edit her podcast, The Lighthouse Conversations. And it's uh, it's become this odd thing between us where she almost as if knows that the episode she's going to ask me to edit will somehow resonate with a in that very moment with my life where, I mean, for instance, a couple weeks ago, I did the episode with Lisa Becker. Yeah. And in that moment of my life, I was struggling with my health like, mm-hmm. as usual. And so things she was saying, you know, put, you know, life into perspective. Um, but the one that I just thought of when you're talking about was when you're talking to your cousin, Satya Bayok, and all about the, what what did you phrase it? Quarter life. I almost said mentally after the quarter life crisis. Yeah. And about one of the things that resonated the most with me was her, the conversation you guys had about sexuality Yeah. and how if society were a different way so many more people wouldn't be discovering who they are at 50, 40, even 30. We would have this fluidity right? of being able to, like you said a minute ago, just constantly shape-shifting and evolving. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I get chill. I mean, I get chills. I, I, you probably hear me say that when I am in my podcast. I get, Yeah. Um, I mean, we, this could be like four hours long, I'm sure, because there's so much to dive into. Um, yeah. And I think you and I share that, like, I like digging. Like, I like going to, like, this is the top level stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I call it like the soccer sideline stuff, like the things where like you're talking about, you know, that's like not too deep on the soccer sidelines. I think I alienate half the world on soccer sidelines as a mom because I'm like, Ooh, yeah. your mom died. Like, let's talk about, do you believe in the afterlife? You know, rather than, <laughs> you know, wear face and flowers. But I think that my, like, I, I get chills when something really speaks to me and I want mm-hmm. to, um, there's something there. Like there's some kind of energy that when I'm talking about or thinking about something that is worthy that I get this sense like that chill sensation. And I just got that then. Um, yeah, you know, I, um, ugh, there's so much, I mean, that, that whole quarter life conversation is fascinating to me because it's such an obvious, it's such an obvious thing, right? If we had the ability to, you know, they, they have that saying that youth is wasted on the young, you know, yes. like you, you gain so much wisdom and then it's like, so that quarter life that she's talking about that, you know, that early time when you want to be like wild and experiment and, and find yourself is also, it's so cumbersome, right? Because you also want to find the stability and find that person. So you're, you're simultaneously trying to grow, but fit into some peg and whole situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And what we were talking about there too, is that I find now that I, um, I love being a receptacle, a reservoir for people's lives so they can talk, yes. right? Yes. And so I wind up having lots of conversations with people who are like, mm-hmm. oops, didn't really realize I was gay and I'm 40 and have five kids in the suburbs. Or oops, I really, I, I, I've spent 20 years going into this world of life professionally and I totally have ignored the fact that I just want to do this, you know? Yeah. So yeah. to pay attention to that quarter life and really listen is so important. But anyway. Totally. That's, yeah. So if, yeah. if you guys are interested, go check out that episode. I will link it somewhere so you guys can go and find it. Because it's just it was a, one of my favorite episodes that mm. I've ever had, like, the luck of editing okay. and experiencing. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah. your name, Tootsie. Yes. Also, let's not, talk about this. Let's talk about it. And it's me really fast part of this conversation because I wish it were a more interesting answer. I get this mm-hmm. question a lot. Because um, so do I. Because whenever I tell people about you, yeah. they always say, is that her real name? Yeah. And I'm like, let her tell you. Let her tell the story. Um, well, I wish it was an answer. I should probably make up a more interesting answer for this. <laughs> um, and I think people, like if somebody says, and then I, like, if you talk about me and then you're like, oh, look, there she is. Mm-hmm. There's often... And maybe I'm projecting, but there's often a, a like that. She's like just some like white girl. Like I want to be, I want the name Tootsie really? and like me come out with like this big like red afro. And yeah, but I'm not. Um, so, but I feel like you are. That's your energy. Oh, that's so, it is love and my energy. But in my head, I kind of want okay. like, I, I want to yeah, be yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which I am in my head. So Tootsie is um, a nickname kind of from the day I was born. Um, there, so I wish there were like something more interesting, but I grew up in this really tight knit community, um, of like friends and family, like the kind of place where you, you know, go into somebody's house and your parents like, where have you been for three days? And you're like, oh, sorry, I was at Marnie's house next door. So I had, um, this really awesome community. And I think that first of all, the answer is no one really knows. Let's start there. No one really knows how I got the nickname. But I think it was like a cute name that you give to somebody, sweetie, cookie, honey, Mm -hmm, I don't know, mm -hmm, bunny. mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. the combination of having a lot of people who, I'm the youngest in my family of three, and the combination of having a lot of people who were calling me that. And I think I always had a certain kind of personality. And I went into the arts that there are all these things that just kept on building and, and setting it into like into cement there were several times, it's not my real name. So my real name is Andrea. I kind of say it because like my my grandmother, I know, right? My grandmother, who was like one of the only people who had used it, you know, I have like European ancestors. Um, mm-hmm. She would call me like Andrea. So mm-hmm. no one really used it. Um, mm-hmm. But the, I tried to switch my name to like Andy in sixth grade with two E's. Or okay. like when I went to college, I was like, let me, it never worked. People would like, really? one person would know me or it would get out. I mean, I didn't try that yeah. hard. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be like a 79-year-old Tootsie one day, just like the other 79-year-old Tootsies and dogs. It's me, dogs, and <laughs> older women. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so it's not a bad group to be in. So. Well, and the good thing is like it winds up being great. Like, I mean, I have to be a good human being because, I mean, if I do something terrible, people will remember me too. But um, it winds up being memorable and it's, yeah, that's, I told you, not yeah. a very interesting story. Any time in my life since knowing you over the past seven years, eight years, which is insane to think about, your source of joy for people and any experience, this is, what, this is what I want to say, any experience I've ever had with you and the people that are surrounding you has been nothing but light. And that's mm-hmm. rare. That's rare because a lot of times I've, I've dealt with this is I'm someone who radiates joy, but yeah. that brings in some darkness sometimes because yeah. people who, are, who need that or want to feed on that yeah. try to take that. Yeah. But you've, I don't know, you can, you can explain to me if whether it's happened or not, but has that come with practice of learning how to surround yourself with good people or is it just you're lucky and no one wants to fuck with you, you know? Um, I think this is a great question. And let me just make sure that I don't miss this point. No, I'm mm-hmm. not lucky. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I, I, you know, it's funny because I just had this conversation recently with somebody, with one of my um, 
students from New York City who um, who is on the the app. He's like he basically is somebody who like radiates joy, and he okay. is um, I forget what he like how what what he like titles himself, but he's on the app. Do you mind? Do you know this? No. It's an app like a mental wellness and like it, you know, there's everything from like money, relationships, sex, you know, joy, whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. we were having a, a conversation offline, no, a phone call. Um, I want to like distill anything like my going back to like the reality. Um, I think that people, there are a couple things. One, I think people will see what they want to see, right? Like I don't, not that I only put out the highs in my, like I don't only um, advertise the highs. And on the contrary, I think that anyone who does my yoga classes or goes on retreats with me knows that I really enjoy highlighting the, the difficulty and the challenges of life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask my family or like my children, like absolutely not. Am I always on a high? Um, on the, I believe on the contrary, generally speaking, I believe it is important to be honest and real about all of life so that you could grapple and deal with the tough stuff to really enjoy and like marinate in the great stuff. So little by little, I think that I have been crafting a life that has allowed me to honestly look at and deal with difficulties, mine and other people's, and so because I'm like brazen and courageous enough to do that most of the time, I hope, I really relish and enjoy and could, and love all of the awesome stuff. So like I'll dig into the heavy stuff and then I'll, when I'm out like in the front of the dance floor and teaching 60 people two nights ago on the rooftop and it's a gorgeous day and the DJ's pumping and you're like, holy shit, this is life. It is all real. There's nothing that is not real about it. But it's not because, and I'm very suspect of anybody who's like, I am always happy. I only find joy in life. I love, I mean, not to say there are certainly, there are amazing people who can do that. That is not me. I believe that if you're somebody, listen, if you are alone on some mountaintop or in Bhutan where the happiness index is like off the charts, maybe. But when the more full your life is, I have family, I have friends, I have a career, the more challenges there are, right? I mean, I have to be honest, parenthood is one of the easiest things to say that with. Like you could have, you could wake up, I wake up most days being like, yeah, like grateful. And if a kid is having a tough moment and I have great kids, right? Um, or I think I have wonderful kids. I mean, they're kids, but um, but if a kid is having a tough moment, whether it's because they're frustrated because they can't find a fucking sock or because they're going through their own real things in their six-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old, 14-year-old virgin, yeah. right? Like it's heartbreaking. It will, cr- it will crush and break any good feeling that I have at least for a moment. Mm-hmm. So the more full one's life is, I assert, the more likely you're going to have pain, frustration, heartbreak, all of those tough things that you just have to look at and deal with. You know, I was, I had an awesome day the other day. I had a really awesome day. You know, we're coming out of this pandemic moment, knock on wood, my head, and um, coming out of isolation. And I had this like huge, or huge, I had this really big event and I was, it was amazing. I felt so high. But in my personal life, there were all, there were things going on that 
was really important to me to tend to. So like in any given moment, I will be um, like everybody else. Like I'm zero different than anybody else who has hopefully the ability to appreciate the richness of the great stuff. And I'm very fortunate to also create my own great stuff. I don't wait for shit to happen. Um, And then also tend and not shy away from the crap, the tough stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One of the things that you like constantly inspire me about is and the reason why you and I have always just clicked is I'm the same way. I yeah. want something in my life. I build the door, I build the key and I yeah. unlock it and go through you during COVID last year, you know, just like anyone else in your industry went from in-person classes to finding ways to do it virtual, which then you created your own virtual studio. But then you said, okay, but this is annoying to then have to go somewhere else to record this content. Yeah. Let me build a fucking studio in my right. basement. Right. And if that ain't the, the, like, the manifestation of I want something, I'm going to literally build it. Yeah. I want to know when did the dancing begin and when was it in your life? that it clicked that yeah. this was going to be your fucking thing. Yeah. Um, by the way, to that for that other point, I just want to say this one thing that um, I think there are some people who are just get shit doneers. They're mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. just like to get shit done. Mm-hmm. And I think that those people tend to be like in their blood. Like it's maybe it's a little mm-hmm. type A. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. to that whole, like people ask me about the digital studio thing. Mm-hmm. I... I didn't realize that it was like a decision that I was, it was a big decision. I was like, obviously, mm-hmm. this is obviously what I need to do. And then the next step is obviously what I need to do. And I, so I'm not one of these people who was like, do I, don't I? I just mm-hmm. kind of for good or ill moved to the next step. Um, Same. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, and I think that attracts, one, it attracts that same kind of person that you mm-hmm. want because it's hard to have, it's hard. I mean, some people you have in your life and they are who you're in your life, but um, if you're attracting people, like not that's like family or those close friends, mm-hmm. you want to be in those conversations that keep building you, right? So you tend yes. to attract people who also are building because mm-hmm. it's very distracting to have people in your life when you're building who are like, I just really like binge watching Netflix all day. Like I do too, but that is not good. That conversation is not going to help me get yeah. where I'm going to need to be. So I can't mm-hmm. have those people in my life at certain times in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, dancing. Um, I... Like many young girls started dancing. I actually, I mean, a good part of the story is I started, you know, I think I was like kind of tucked into a dance class when I was like six with all the other girls mm. in the neighborhood. And mm. I, I remember it was a tap jazz combination. And like, that was a class. And um, I was like, don't love it. See ya. And I, I dropped out really? at like six. Yeah. Um, I was a six-year-old dropout. And so in second grade, <laughs> I, one of my friends wound up, um, I think, but basically I just went back to a studio in like second grade. Okay. And from there on, I became, I never use the word obsessed that much, but I became, I became intensely in love with dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, you know, it was, I, I'm from New Jersey. So I became just one of these studio kids where I pretty much lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, I don't have kids like this, but I, there are kids like this that you just, you're introduced to something and your life is better with it. Like you can't imagine not doing it. You know, my parents were never like, you know, time to go to dance. On the contrary, my parents were like, what? Like they were 
barely engaged. They probably would say something different. My father's no longer alive, but my mom was like getting her second master's degree. Like there, she's like a mover and a shaker. Okay. Um, okay. Literally and figuratively. Um, <laughs> my like, I come from like a very academic family. We, mm. in some ways, I'm a very much of a black sheep. So I was dancing like a, I was a dancer, and yeah. um, and I loved it. But the truth is, there were many times in my life. So I danced throughout, you know, throughout high school, and I was doing the competitions and all of that. Um, and then when I was going to go to college, I remember going to brunch in a West Village restaurant with my, I don't think my brother was there, my sisters, my, my sister, my parents. And what college saying, was this? Uh, so I went to Cornell. Okay. I went to Cornell University. But before I went to school, we were talking about where I was going to apply and I didn't really want to apply to Juilliard because I already knew in my blood that like that wasn't, I'm not like a conservatory kind of dancer. I'm okay. a little bit of like a rogue, wild, can't remember choreography, just going to make some shit up kind of dancer. And I've always been like much better in that way, which is why I can't do like eight shows a week Broadway. Like it just doesn't work for me. But okay. um, but I remember kind of testing the waters and saying that I was wanted to apply like Juilliard. And my dad, who is, he's first generation immigrants, like Holocaust surviving family, that kind of thing. Like, you know, you know, just came here and made a life and like, you know, spoke English better than his parents kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Love, like many immigrants love security. Yeah. And my father was like, you are not applying to Juilliard. I was wow. like, oh, now that you said no, I'm definitely applying. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and basically, you know, he was like, you will, you could apply to great schools like that have great dance programs, but you need to go to the best school you get into. And even though I kind of agreed even at that time, because I was, I'm, I've always been a super nerd, um, okay. I wanted to press buttons. So suffice to say, um, I went to school, I, I found a school that had great academics, but also had a great dance program. Mm-hmm. Once I got into the real world. Yeah. There are plenty of times that I was like, okay, it's time for me to grow up. It's time for me to stop dancing. It's time for me to just, let me find a corporate job. Let me do this. That's, that's the world I came from. I mean, everyone yeah. went into something very buttoned up in corporate. Um, I mean, some people, like, you know, even I will say this, and I and maybe you didn't edit some of these but um, these podcasts, but, you know, there are, the dancers at Cornell, what was amazing is that many of them were like pre-med and dance double majors. So they became midwives and, you know, and also dance for dance companies. Or my friend Deirdre was a rockhead and then became a cardiologist. That's right. Yes. Or, um, I mean, plenty of them were like, became vets and like still were, you know, with like Elizabeth Streb, which is like this crazy (laughs) dance. So many of those dancers at Cornell were still like me who were pursuing one, like I was psychology. We're like, you know, something pre-med, engineering, psychology, vet, and also at the dance studio all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I came out of college, I moved abroad. I decided I had studied abroad and I loved Spain. So I didn't move to Barcelona. I basically told my parents who loved to travel that I wanted to not settle down in the States yet. And I was like, I don't know anybody in Barcelona, but I'm going to get on a plane and I'm just going to land. And that's literally what I did. Um, Anyway, there I did, like I did some work. I came back. I still was like, okay, time for me to be, like I I came back. I was auditioning. I started choreographing. Mm -hmm. 
But I always felt like I had to just kind of sow these wild dance oats and then move on. And I never did. No, no. And I'm so happy you didn't. I just couldn't. So the very, very 20 minute long answer of that is that (laughs) I started dancing when I was eight. And it so clearly is something that is fundamentally who I am. That even when I tried to get rid of it to like grow up or do something else, yeah, I can't. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I just talked about this in another interview and we both agreed that what's the point of life if you don't just keep trying? You can, I mean, for instance, let, let's say you did go down that buttoned up path, but right. at night you were still dancing, right. hoping that maybe one day, who cares if it, if it didn't or didn't, at least you did it and you can die knowing you at least did the life that you wanted to live. Yeah. Yes. And I think, you know, for me, part of it is that I have always, I mean, I've only been able to articulate it later on in my life, but I have always wanted, I, I am voraciously hungry for every day of life. And if I could simultaneously live three different lives right now. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I would do exactly what I'm doing, but I would also probably have like a psychiatry or a psychology practice Mm -hmm. and do some version of like an Oprah-y thing and travel wildly and have retreats of like 50. Like I would do, and I'm doing a version of all of them, right? Mm -hmm. But I Mm -hmm. would do Mm -hmm. like, I would dig in deeply to all of that. Which again is some form of fashion I'm doing, but like it moves too quickly. Like I life, I just want, I know. I'm hungry for it all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I have been making so many new friends now, now that I live in a new city. Mm. And going way back to the beginning of the interview when you talked about how to describe yourself. And when I tell them these new things that I'm doing, you know, running my own editorial business, starting a talk show, this, that, whatever, and they're they always have a hard time keeping up when mm-hmm. I talk about things. But I say, I don't, I'll never expect someone to remember or retain all of the intricate pieces that make Sam whole. But because even I sometimes will forget all of the little things that make me me, because like you just said, you're hungry to just, just to live life. Yeah. And how, what's the fucking point if we're only going to live life a little bit? I'm just going to have a little microdose life, tiptoe all the way to death safely. What's the fucking point of living? Yeah. I want to get my hands dirty and everything. And, and any job I've ever worked in, coffee shop, production studio, when I was in college at Wawa, I wanted to learn everything I could about every part of the job. Totally. Exactly. And I think that's a great way to live. Um, And I think it's important to surround yourself with people who are like-minded, which is a little bit harder Mm -hmm. when you have kids and you move to the suburbs. Um, Especially in the suburbs. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. um, It it is. That's challenging. I mean, there's a part of me that that is like that, but that's a little challenging. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also, I did the same thing. I worked in production and I worked, you know, I wanted to learn every aspect. And come this year, that was really beneficial that I knew a little bit of everything. Because I did. Isn't see that's the other thing, Tootsie. That's what I always say to people yeah. when people ask Sam, "How have you been able to build your own life and go through the doors you want?" And I say, "Because I didn't just go through life with I'm going to be this one thing, learn that one thing." I said, "Because 
that's not how life is even supposed to be functional. Yeah, right. It, it just doesn't make any sense. But I digress. We'll digress because <laughs> we could again talk about I that like forever. So let's go back to some of these questions that I sent you. Yeah. Okay. One of the ones that I want to just dive right into, and I'm really hoping that you have an answer to it. Pressure's so on. you spent a lot of time in New York City. Yeah. As someone who's new, even though I'm in Hoboken, I'm literally in the city four to five times a week. Yeah. Do you have any good, just New York City stories, something ridiculous that happened in your time there, or you ran into someone and it became an inspiring thing? Here's a good one that probably your listeners will think is, is very interesting. So okay. I, in the city, I, um, you know, I did a lot of things, but I choreograph, right? I, especially I okay. choreograph more before I just like lifted off my whole like fitness world. And, mm -hmm. um, and we were rehearsing, I, I was choreographing for like a, uh, like a recording artist and we were rehearsing okay. the backup dancers and we were using mm -hmm. the re and I would often try to snag free rehearsal space from all the different places that I taught in this, in this, in the city. Oh, smart. Yeah. Right? Smart. So, and I would be like, Hey, like, it's good for you because this reason you're not using the space anyway. So Reebok was really great with that. So I would use okay. the space in the airport on Reebok. So I go to the bathroom, like we're rehearsing. I go to the bathroom and the bathroom was really small. And, um, when I walked in, it was just me and Beyonce. Yeah. So we were like, no fucking way. And Beyonce had like a full weave going on, like talk about like awesome big hair. So we were kind of, so sh there's two, there's two rooms right next to each other in Reebok. And that was, so that was one of the times where I was like, Hey bae, um, where, <laughs> where we were like both rehearsing. She was rehearsing with, I was not choreographing for Beyonce at the time. She, and she might, it might. I was like, been, what are you not telling me? <laughs> yeah. Um, so she, what they were rehearsing in like the room next to me. So evidently they wanted free rehearsal space too. That's all I'm going to say. That is such yeah. a cool story. Though. That's a good story. And then I guess my last story, I mean, I have a thousand, but here's my other one that comes to mind, which is not related to either of those and not New York City, but I was in Barcelona and I was teaching mm -hmm. young girls how to dance, younger girls. Um, mm -hmm. And they were going to be like training for like auditions. I can't even remember what it was, but I was, I, I speak Spanish. Like I learned how to speak Spanish in school and then I wanted to okay. get fluent when I was there. And so I was teaching them choreography and so like, you know, I would, when you teach, it's like, you know, and like an elbow, elbow, pop, pop. And so I was teaching them, this is like here, here. And this I was calling, um, conio. Do you speak Spanish at all? Okay. No. <laughs> so basically this is not, this is a codo. An elbow is like a C-O-D-O, -O, but like codo. Okay. Conio is the C word in Spanish. <gasps> so I am teaching all of these little girls as I'm, I'm basically, it's like being like, and like, uh -huh. <laughs> that's my, my all time like and i had no idea so i'm doing it with like you know like with inflection and like i'm yelling it out like you know how i bark in class you've taken my class yeah, so i am like yeah. screaming and these girls who are trying to be really respectful to like i mean i was like 20 at the time you know 21 oh, but oh i am God. just screaming like cunt cunt to them over and over and over <laughs> as they're as they're dancing it's my favorite one of my favorite stories that is yeah. like straight out of a fucking sitcom yeah. You can't uh -huh. make that up. I that mean, can you imagine funny. like seeing somebody in the front of the room, like screaming at your eight-year-old kid, <laughs> cunt, cunt, over and over again. And like, I'm not a drag queen. Like that wasn't cute then. It wasn't like, it didn't <laughs> yeah, have like, you yeah. know, it wasn't like, oh, that's cunty. Like, no, they were, that was yeah. not happening now. Let's change it up a little bit because. Let's get dark. Let's get dark. Um, what was the moment in your life mm -hmm. that you look back 
and was the darkest. And I want to know how you got out of it and what advice you would give to someone if they found themselves back in that same space. Um, I have, I, I will say this like straight up that um, mm-hmm. I am a, um, I, I feel like I'm a very grounded, centered person. You know, I don't, 100%. I'm not speaking here and then we'll like turn, we'll, we'll turn this off and then like fall into a depression. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I think that these days I'm kind of fascinated mm-hmm. by um, this idea of selling pain. I think there's this whole world okay. of like, um, not in a bad way. I think it's wonderful that we get, that we're all connecting on these like deeper real levels, but it's almost mm-hmm. like the more you divulge about yourself and like your inner pain, the more mm-hmm. currency you have. And it freaks me yeah. out a little bit. Um, okay. It freaks me out a little bit because I feel like, um, I think it's wonderful for people to share, but I also think that there's nothing wrong with, I will always maintain some privacy, partly because mm-hmm. I had my brush with fame and I feel like that's cute. And you could, you, people get pushed up high and lionized and then taken down in a minute. I mean, today, this morning, I was reading about Ellen DeGeneres and I felt like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm so sad for her. Like, of course she's not amazing all the time. I mean, I don't know. I read the headlines, but like everyone, I know, I know every, like, I know. I, I'm not, I'm not dying to be at the top for somebody to be like, actually, I think she sucks. And for the whole world to be like, oh yeah, she does suck. And it happens all the time. Like that whole, it's cancel culture. It's also hard to watch people get to the top. Anyway, this is all to say that I I go through things all the time. I will say one of the hardest times in my life was when um, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Wow. And, um, and going through that period of time was incredibly difficult. Um, I've always been somebody who thankfully has had a very vibrant, um, uh, I've had a really good life. Yeah. Um, partly I believe that like that's through karma through like other things I've studied. I think that it's because I've probably been through other stuff maybe before that I've Mm -hmm. deserved this. And I also, my good life is not because like, you know, we have everything we need. It's because I, I love the life that I'm creating with massive, you know, shit going down. Like mm-hmm. it is not a golden path, but like when it's not, I'm like, all right, let's, let's take care of this. Like, let's do something. Mm-hmm. Right. It's hard and complicated, but mm-hmm. I love it. So with that, with feeling that gratitude for my entire life. And I've also had, like, I've also been, you know, a, a woman or a girl who's, you know, I was like president of my class and I was like the soloist of my dance company. Like I, I had, I was like, I've always had this like really good fortune, right? Not because I didn't work for it, but like I just did. Yeah. I've always been ready for the shoot to drop. I okay. always okay. felt like it's not fair for things to go so well for me, even though I'm working for them. Mm-hmm. And so my father, and by the way, he was, you know, 68. He wasn't, 20, okay. he wasn't 40. Like, you know, he was older, but a just, it was a very difficult time. And um, okay. and it was a long process. And it was really difficult for my family, all the typical things, right? Um, and I was with my dad. He was in hospice care um, at the end. So he was at home and he was really coherent towards the end. And uh, I mean, throughout the whole thing, but like you lived fully and I was 
literally holding him when he passed from this life to whatever's next. And um, that was, if I had to stake, if I had to put a flag in the moment that probably changed my life, Mm -hmm. it was around then. It was being like, what the fuck are we doing here? What is life? If if I'm holding you and talking to you one moment, and then we're calling for your body to be taken away another moment. So it was in that moment where I was like, all right, let's get to this. Let's let's like pull the belly up to the bar and get shit done and make life happen. And not to say that I'm not before anything that I do that's worthwhile, including this conversation, including any huge event that I do, including building a digital studio, including uh, planning a retreat. I'm always scared. I'm always nervous. I'm always concerned it's not going to be a success. But I have an awesome husband who is like, he never says shut the fuck up, but in his head he is. Um, and who's supportive. Um, and ultimately I do it in like a form of legacy to still being here and living on as fully as I can in the name of my dad. Okay. Um, I love that. I love that answer. I mean, again, that's I'm the main so answer. What happened to you? You know what? I was so blessed to have him. He's shaped my life amazingly. Again, I had him for most mm-hmm. of my life. Um, and that's not to say there hasn't been shit that's gone down my life afterwards. But if I had to okay. speak about one moment that was difficult, that'd be it. Okay. Okay. So going off of that, yeah, you just talked about your legacy in your life. What would you want to be on? Your tomb on your tombstone. You know, what, what, you what wrote me that. Or saying, yeah. um, I um, we probably don't want to end with this one because I. No, we won't. I, we won't. We'll, yes. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll do a joyful one. No, we'll not, not even that. But um, but but th- I've never, even as somebody like I love talking about death. I love talking about the afterlife. Yes. I love talking to yeah. mediums. Like I know we have that kind of in common. Mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. never thought about this. Um, wow. And and I visit my dad's tombstone, like in my which is like with my some of my other family. Okay. Um, I, th- I think the reason why I say I don't want to end with it is that it's not that interesting of a question or an answer for me because really? ultimately I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm wild. I want to build, yeah. like do all these things. But I also am very grounded in the fundamentals of life. Like mm. I am, I will throw my kids in front of everything before I, that I do. You know, like my family will always come first. My yeah. friendships, like all those things, I'll be this kind of person. But when you get down to it, like my core values are intensely intact in that way. Mm-hmm. So to that to that point, my tombstone will say what probably is in like the generations of my family, which is like my name, the dates. I'm not putting like a quote on there. Like I am a daughter. Really? I'm a yeah. I feel like you would. I don't. Maybe it's different. You know, if you were, if God forbid, something were to happen to me now. You know, we were talking about doing that for my dad. Like my mom was like, who's a little like zany, was like, we should put this on his tombstone. And I was like, no, we're definitely not doing that. Um, And I think also, I mean, what I theoretically, it would be a version of like live or like stay hungry or get it. Or, you know, one of my retreats, the theme was live to live. But I have to be honest. There, as much as I believe that, I also think you need to shut up and just listen, which is living, but it's it's not that same voraciousness, right? It's like what I was talking about before, you know, like there's you getting what you want, Sam. And then there's you like 
shushing and then being there for your friends and your family, which is a different version of living, but it's like a quieter, more humble way of doing it. And death is a very humbling experience, <laughs> you know? Um, so hopefully like my, whatever I am, will live through things like this, but I think my tombstone will probably not happen for a while, I hope. And, oh, be, no. Um, no, no, no. and it will be, you know, I don't know. And I'm not sure if I really want to think about it because that's really yeah, depressing. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. All right, Tootsie, we are at time. Really quick, before I ask you the final, final question, plug where everyone can find you. Ooh. Gosh, I'm terrible at this. Do you know that? I'm really, really bad at this. Um, the, like my right-hand woman is like, you are terrible at that. Um, so you could find me at, um, well, my name, which is where we began, tootsieolan.com. So it's mm -hmm. that, T -O -O, well, you could find it. Um, that's my main website, which is like, you know, the retreats and the events and the about us and classes. And that was like where everything lived before COVID. Um, and then there's my digital studio for all of my online on-demand classes so that no matter where you are in the world, which is really exciting, um, you could do classes anytime, anywhere. Um, and that is, I think, digitalstudio.tutsioland.com. And then Instagram, my same name, Facebook, my same name. I don't do Twitter because that would drive me fucking crazy. You would and not survive. You just like not a minute. And I love words, which is the irony, but um, <laughs> no. no, no thanks. Uh, mm -hmm. I think those are the places. And then in real life, when I'm in different places all over. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to leave the audience with a rush of joy and inspiration, what advice can you give someone right now if they're listening to this and they want to pivot their mind and have a, a joyful rest of their day and right now they're in a lull, what quick advice could you tell them, a tip, a trick that gets you going? I mean, I think that the easiest go-to is like music. Like okay. throw on that great song, put it in your ears. I find that to be a major, a major mood shift. I mean, granted, yeah. oh, I'm a little yeah. biased because as I dance in yoga, um, <laughs> I stand by that, like, go outside, get off the electronics, like, stop looking yes. at what my biggest thing is, stop looking at what everyone else is doing. The minute the, the comparison ends, what people are putting out there, give yourself that, like, detox and just fill mm -hmm. yourself up with all of, like, the best stuff. Oh, yeah. That's my go-to. Love it. I love it. And then also dance. So Oh, yeah. And just, just fucking literally dance like, like no one I mean, is watching. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't get enough of that. But that might be. Not everyone's like, oh, that brings me joy. But it should. No, it should. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, Tootsie, thank you so much for coming oh. on the Shmi Show. I can't you wait to do another four hours next week with you. I'll see you there, okay? <laughs> I know. We could literally talk forever. This is great. Um, you're, uh, this is such a great fit. I love, I, I, I love you in this kind of version. Thank you. And you're Me so too. Like, I'm you're digging like, it. I mean, the whole thing, like the look <laughs> of it, you have such a great voice and like their earnestness. Mm -hmm. So um, may this only bring great, great things. Thank you so much, Tootsie. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank we'll you for having me. see you later. Me. Adios. <laughs>